0: In the New Testament book of Hebrews, we're going to be in chapter 8. I'll introduce the subject, say something about the context of Hebrews 8, and then we will deal with our topic. One of the first observations to be made when people open the Bible is to discover that there are two major parts the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now once that fact is acknowledged, there may be questions that come up, particularly for the person who's opening the Bible the first time. Why are there two parts? Are those two parts equal in application today? Can we treat one part the same as we treat the other same as we treat the other part? These are not bad questions. These are common questions and they indicate immediately a need for clarity. And the more you read and study the Bible, the greater the clarity you enjoy about the New Testament. God in His Word generously provides sufficient clarity. There are many places in both Testaments where clarity is discovered about the difference between the two Testaments, sometimes called the two covenants. The two covenants. I want to take us to one of those places, Hebrews chapter 8. But I need to give some background about Hebrews. There were Christians in the first century who were very new in the first century, who were very new to the faith. They had been practicing the Jewish religion as directed by their leaders based on the Old Testament. Then Christ came, lived, died. They heard about Jesus Christ. They remembered the Old Testament promises and prophecies. So when they heard about Jesus Christ, they kept listening and they learned who he was and what he did and what he said. And it led Brown to confess their faith in Christ and to repent and be baptized. And they were now Christians. They moved away from the Old Testament system and we're now participants in the New Testament, sometimes called the New Covenant of Jesus Christ. Sometimes called the New Covenant of Jesus Christ. Now, so far, that sounds very good and very simple. Take a moment and put yourself in their condition. Imagine that you grew up in the Jewish religion, being taught Testament. That Old Testament, those scriptures you were raised on said a Savior is coming. But you got caught up in Jewish culture and family and religion. But then you heard the gospel and you decided to obey the gospel, a Christian, and you're living under the authority of the King and Savior who was promised in the Old Testament. What a blessing! that you have accepted exactly what God intended all along in His plan. But here's the problem. Not all your friends, not every Jew who heard the gospel, obeyed the gospel. So you have fellow Jews, your countrymen, according to the flesh, who've not made that change from Moses to Christ. And maybe they don't understand what you've done. And maybe they don't understand what you've done. They don't understand why you've changed. And so there's discussion and debate and maybe some persecution. And you need encouragement that can come to you in the form of clarity in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The book of Hebrews... Was the Holy Spirit's response to that need? New Christians are under pressure to leave Christ and go back to their former religion. There was pressure from those who were still to get these Christians to come back into Judaism, back to the old priesthood, back to the animal sacrifices. The inspired writer of Hebrews encourages these Christians with clarity that they have made the right choice in obeying Jesus Christ. He's the ultimate high priest. He provides access to God. He's not a part of the old national closed religious system. He is the final, ultimate, perfect, and singular high priest. He is their high priest. He is there at the right hand of God. His role as high priest is to provide fellowship with God for anyone who will trust and obey Him. That's the background. Listen, please, to Hebrews chapter 8. Chapter 8. Now, the point in what we are saying is this we have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven a minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up not priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer now Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first to look for a second, for he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant. With the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers, on the day when fathers, on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those house of Israel. After those days declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one, each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old, is ready to vanish away. From this chapter, I want to highlight now four simple truths about the difference Between the Old and the New Testament, right from Hebrews chapter 8. Number one, the New Testament is better. Verse six, listen again. Christ has obtained a ministry, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the Old. As the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. Some of you may have the NIV. Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. Now take a minute. And just, just look at the words used by the inspired writer more excellent, superior, better now remember the context. Christians who had been longtime participants in the Jewish religion, attached to the pre Jewish religion, attached to the priest and the Old Testament and Moses. Now they're under pressure to go back to that. This says Jesus is, and Jesus offers something better, more excellent, superior. He is the one, the Savior, the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. It's interesting to do a study just on that word better. The word better is used many times in Hebrews. Here's a few. Christ is better than the angels, chapter 1. Christ is better than the angels, chapter 1. He's better than Moses, chapter 3. He's better than the Levitical priest in chapter 7. Here, he is the mediator of a better covenant. With regard to the purpose and content, we need to see the Old Testament system as pointing to Leading to and then fulfilled by Christ. One of the primary values of the Old Testament was to pave the way for and announce the coming of Christ. Said in chapter 4, the law system in the Old Testament was given to train and lead people to Christ. God used the Jewish nation to lead them and prepare the world for the Christ who would come. And he did come in the fullness of the time. The Old Testament system was preliminary and the Mosaic law temporary. So this is an important verse about the difference between the Testaments. Verse 6, Christ has obtained a ministry that are excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. Number two in the Old Testament writings, God said there would be said there would be a change. God said there would be a new covenant. You'll notice in many Bibles that you have, starting at verse 8 in Hebrews 8, there is a quotation going down through verse 12, down through verse 12. It may be italicized, it may be indented. And that's to indicate to the reader this is a quotation. It's from the book of Jeremiah. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant, a house of Israel, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts. That's a quotation from Jeremiah chapter 31. Back in Jeroboam, in the Old Testament, God sent a strong signal in the form of a prophecy about what he would do. There will be a new covenant. What if I wrote a book, and in that book I said to the readers, there will be a sequel, a more valuable. It's what this first book is leading to. In fact, it will be the ultimate purpose of what I'm saying in this first book. And when the new one comes out, it will be better, and it's going to provide exactly what you need. That's what God is saying through exactly what you need. That's what God is saying through Jeremiah. See, this in Hebrews 8 is a quotation from Jeremiah 31, making it plain, even back in that previous age under the law of Moses, there would be another covenant. It would be people, all people. The laws of the Old Testament were not intended for world evangelism. The laws of the Old Testament were not intended for world evangelism. They were intended to keep keep that nation of Israel together for the coming of Christ, who would give a message that would be intended for all men, for all time. When Christ came upon His death, the new covenant came into effect. I'm using the phrases "to effect." I'm using the phrases that are equal, by the way: New Testament, New Covenant. The old covenant, the Old Testament, was not God's final word for all people. The new covenant is. And that's clearly signaled in the form of a prophecy in the Jeremiah passage that is quoted here in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 through 12. So, I'm going to say to you, it should not have surprised the Jewish people. For God had said through the prophet. For God had said through the prophet Jeremiah, I will establish a new covenant. And notice in verse 11, they shall all know me. Not just Israelites. They shall all know me. God said what he would do. Law number three. The old covenant, the law recorded in the Old Testament books, that was not universal. It was given to one Nation. Verse nine. The new covenant or new testament of Christ is not like the new covenant or new testament of Christ is not like the covenant that God made with the Jewish fathers. Now that just says something simple. They're different. The new covenant, the new testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all. The- the New Testament it says here is not like the covenant that God made with the Jewish fathers on the day when he took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. When the people of Israel the descendants of Abraham through Isaac Jacob the descendants of Abraham through Isaac Jacob and Joseph came out of Egyptian bondage God made promises to them and when they reached Mount Sinai, law was given to those people. The Ten Commandments, the statutes, the regular restrictions, animal sacrifices. So when you read the books of Leviticus and Numbers, for example, you don't read that as rules that you need to go out and comply with today. You are not commanded by God to bring animals to an altar. Those statutes and and regulations were given through Moses to a single nation, Israel, before Christ came. In the Old Testament, in many places, it is made clear those laws were given not to all Jewish nation. Here's one example. Ezra chapter 7 verse 6. He is described as a scribe of the law which God gave to Israel. Here's another. Deuteronomy 29, one. These are the terms of the covenant commanded Moses to make with the Israelites in Moab. In addition to the covenant he made with them in Horeb. Have you ever been to Moab or Horeb? Were you a part of that nation back then before Christ? The laws addressed to the Jewish people, to Israel. Now, as soon as that truth is affirmed, there is an immediate question that comes up. I'm going to address that. Does that mean that we ignore all the teachings in the Old Testament? That we ignore all the teachings in the Old Testament? No. God wants us to know that history. He wants us to meet those people. He wants us to have those examples of either good or bad to learn. Eternal moral principles of God that have always been binding on all men. Murder has always been wrong. Adultery has always been wrong. Theft and dishonesty... I embrace those moral principles because I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a disciple of Christ. Those moral laws of God predate the law of Moses. And they are clearly imposed and recognized by Jesus Christ. So, Hebrews 8 supplies this valuable insight into how we differentiate between the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and the New Covenant, the New Testament. And then I'll add one more point that's at the end of the chapter in Hebrews 8. The first one is obsolete. Verse 13, "...in speaking of a New Covenant, He makes the first obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away." The key word is obsolete. I think the English translators got that based on the context. The English word obsolete means replacing something with something new. Replaced by something new. You remember the Jeremiah passage? God had said in the... old. You remember the Jeremiah passage? God had said in the Old Testament writings of Jeremiah, there would be something new. When God says it, and then he says it again in Hebrews chapter 8, and then God says the old is obsolete, that becomes, it becomes a part of our faith in God. That we who have decided to follow Christ are in a relationship with God based on the new covenant, the New Testament of Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ. Now, here's where I want to go to wrap this up. The New Testament of Jesus Christ is our guide. Because of Jesus who died but was raised from the dead to seal this cup as our guide I want to take us back to the opening of Hebrews 8 do you see how this passage begins in Hebrews 8 verse 1 notice where Jesus is he is seated at the right is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. That isn't said of Moses or the prophets or the priests of the Old Testament. It is said of Jesus Christ. The place of supreme honor, authority, and heavenly coronation. That's where Jesus is right now. I want to be under his authority. There is valuable Old Testament history telling us about the unfolding of God's plan, the nation that God used in His plan. Of God's plan, the nation that God used in His plan. But what was the ultimate aim of that plan? For Jesus to come to live and die and be raised, to ascend to the right hand of God, and for us to embrace and become... When you repent of your sins confess your faith in Christ and you are baptized into him then you walk with Christ as directed in the new testament as you trust and obey him you are resting you obey him you are resting your whole life on that promise made by god I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Those are better promises, folks. Those are better promises offered through a better covenant for a better life, leading to a better place. May God help us realize where Jesus is, who He is, and what He can mean to us